Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful for this week. We're grateful for this, this time. Thank you and uh, give us some uh, ability to make sense of it all. Not just tonight, but uh, as we go out and live our lives and uh, be good husbands to our wives and, and good prospects to the ladies we make choose. In your son's name, amen. Okay, tonight we're dealing with practical aspects of the mojo. Um, I, uh, I, I, and I broke it up into two things, positive and negative. And there's going to be negatives about the positives and there'll be positives about the negatives. But uh, uh, what you need to be doing is not just <coughs> thinking of this. This is not a new form of going about the process of marrying. This is not uh, a kind of courtship. This is not a kind of dating. This is true. Um, if you're a Hottentot in a tribe in Africa, this is true regardless of what system. People sometimes, men who do not realize they, they could adjust this or tactically play this out with a more valid personal philosophy, end up trying to have their culture provide for them a path by which they get a wife. Um, and so they, they go through the, uh, the more cultural maneuvers. Um, but certain things are um, in our minds that we're, we've learned to be about. We have learned that we need to be um, identifiably governing our own lives, successfully governing our lives to the end of peace and that we have selected the right things, we've arranged a life to that degree, we have not merely stacked up as many goods as we could, we arranged uh, the goods and the bads in our life to be a life of peace. Um, we've also learned that we find ourselves at a certain dignity in life and that we are, when as we meet a young lady, our efforts in our society, our efforts in her society is gonna be a certain degree of leadership and rule and a certain degree of magnanimity and a certain absence of arrogance and a certain certain things that have shaped you uh, in becoming a man we learned about those things so we could apply them in specific to a woman now at the right at the top of the page on page 25 it says the law of the Medes and the Persians which cannot be changed is this proximity plus attraction equals attachment now that's not that's not rocket science. That's not um, even probably that original for me to have said such a thing. I think I probably only arranged and added the law of the Medes and the Persians kind of became. Which you say, why does he say that? That's out of uh, Esther. The law of the Medes. Well, actually, Daniel. The law of the Medes and the Persians, which kind of became. When Daniel got thrown into the lion's den, why? Never mind. But it's, the reason I say it that way is because it's true. It's not an opinion, it's true. Now, it's very general. Proximity, spending time around. Attractive things get you attached to the attractive thing. Because with the time, you get to meditate on the benefits of the attraction. Now, this is true for the girl. It's true for the guy. You get to, and this is why you get star-crossed romances, bittersweet romances, one-sided romances, is because you stood around her and she was hot and you weren't. And she had just as much proximity as you did, but you didn't grow on her. You didn't, she, as she meditated on you, you and your character, the sun did not rise. You were not 
the god Apollo for her after a given time. She did not get a tax all the time you spent, of course, you spent around something attractive. And so your meditations on it got you, uh, got you attached. So it's something that, it, it's a self-evident truth. You know, it, it's not, we don't wake up one morning and say, I think, I think I love a girl named Sally Jones from Wook, Iowa. I don't know why. I've never met her. Um, I'm just in love with her. <clears throat> so I better try to find out who she is on Facebook. I'm in love with her. We have to go through this to be in love and attached. But we, having gone through these various lectures, we have a better idea when we say attraction, what we mean. What we mean about a girl's sense of attraction for a man, what a guy's reason for being attracted to a particular girl. And I want to make something um, clear that I might not have made clear. I, I, I know I talked to some people after a lecture about it a little bit. Or I may have mentioned it in passing in one of the paragraphs. But I, I mentioned that the mojo is why we want women. Which woman we want is due not to mojo, but to the, uh, the experience of the mojo with her particular qualities, her beauty, her character, her spirituality, her intelligence, the things you encounter as you open the doors in her life. She's flirting with you at a party. You start to talk to her. That's going to add an interest to that. That's going to add interest. <laughs> His voice changed all of a sudden. <laughs> we have a fireman here. That's why. Um, so the, the, the idea that some of the attraction you're experiencing is the mojo. In other words, that I spend time around. I'm spending time around being gained, gaining access into this <coughs> woman's life. Then the access is one level <coughs> of attraction. The things discovered... Uh, the decoration inside her house, basically, it starts to become a point of attraction as well. How pretty she is and various things like that. So bear that in mind. Um, so we're, we're looking at this as a thing we're going in to govern. We're going in to... Um, it's like war, gentlemen. This is conquest. This is not... This is not romance, this is conquest. You're gaining citizens. You're gaining someone who's going to pick up, change your name, raise the flag of you over her life, and say, I'm marching wherever he's going after this. A man shall leave his father and mother, and she's going to leave her father and mother. So we need to realize that we're uh, stepping into something that's going to be, by definition, have a contractual nature. Contractual. Is that a word? Um, contractual basis. Now, why contractual? Because she has a point, uh, a series of uh, attractions. You have a series of attractions. They're not the same, and they're not about the same. But what she wants, what you want. It's not the same thing. So there has to be, for her to get what she wants, she's going to have to give something. And what you to get what you want, you're going to have to give something. You're negotiating your way through this. Now, the negotiation is not like you send your servant up to Badamaram to uh, arrange with the family of so-and-so for a wife for my master. It's not a biblical moment of arranged marriages. But you're arranging your own marriage. You're arranging your own marriage, and the nature of the contract, on the simplest level, apart from what you encounter with your particular skills and, 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 and attractive qualities, 
you are offering a degree of security, that is what she wants, for she offering a degree of access. That's your basic exchange. So if you had uh, her, if, if we, for the women I call it the Dow, the way. So she has a, a security and the negotiation is uh, going to grow incrementally off slight degree of access, slight degree of security. Meet a girl at a party. You introduce yourself, hello, Miss. Glad to meet you. Someone introduces you. And the mere slight degree of access of her admitting you into her circle of acquaintances, that's all it is, you have been introduced by name to her, and you say something bold, rash, like, can I get you some punch? And she says, yes, you may give me some punch. You, in other words, you have had a small degree of access. She's allowed you to secure her in a very small degree. You got her punch. But some guys would think, oh, I'm in. But she could have the same degree or more access with another guy who's been sitting next to her, talking to her for the last half hour, than you. You have to be aware that for everything you do, you're negotiating with a give of a certain degree of security that she either accepts or rejects, and you're going to be seeing a degree of access or not in her life. Um, I, I make a point in my uh, uh, Word of a Gentleman, The Way of a Lady uh, book um, about chastity for, for women. And chastity is, 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 this, is going to be measured by this. Husband and wife making out is not unchaste. You meet a girl at a party, you've known her for 15 minutes. If you're caught making out on the couch, it's unchaste. Even if it's not fornication, it's unchaste. The, the, the reason is more access was granted than security was offered. Okay? You did not offer to take care of her the rest of her days, and she didn't say yes before witnesses and sign a paper and some parson says you're now husband and wife. So you shouldn't be making out on a, on a park bench or a couch at a, at a party. So this, the, the, the disobedience, the, the disarray, the poor arrangement of life is when I go into this negotiation with, without, uh, you might say, either a moral or a wise degree of restraint in that, in that process. <clears throat> um, the second quote at the top of the page, and we're going to keep coming back to this uh, idea of uh, proximity and attraction with attachment, because there are nuances in that, that it's not just... You know, you ever see a guy who, maybe he's not really successful for the girls, with the girls, and this is why. Because he sees the girl he sets his sight on at this given party. This party seems to be loaded with hot girls and not so hot guys. And so the, he goes over and he gets introduced to the girl. And then for the rest of the party, he stands in her orbit of conversation. He won't go away. He's giving, you might say, well, isn't he getting proximity? And it's just probably his lack of attractiveness that's costing him. Because he doesn't understand the second quote, which is advice. It's not truth, it's advice. It's the Tao of Steve, deny desire, be excellent, be gone. Okay? Those three things. It is a wonderful piece of advice. 
it is, you know, almost makes me weep sometimes. <laughs> I've shared it with various women, <coughs> checking it out when I first heard about it. It's not my or origination. Um, and I shared it with some, some women here at a party once a number of years ago. And I said, what, what do you think about this? Guy comes in, he denies desire, he is excellent, and he's gone. And I, I fleshed it out in a storyline for them, and they said, oh, that's just horrid. That is so effective. We hate you, Mr. Wilson. <laughs> but it's true. We hate you. And it, it didn't matter if they knew. <clears throat> this is a remarkable tactical thing. Now, it's the subtlety of the law of the Medes and the Persians. Because it's actually the first law of the Medes and the Persians. There are other laws of the Medes and the Persians involving the length of sermons and whether women should talk potluck lines. But um, this is the first law. Now, when, in case you say the Tao of Steve, what is that? It's actually from a movie. It may have been a book preceding it. But uh, the Steve of the Tao of Steve are three Steves Steve McQueen, <coughs> Steve McGarra of Hawaii Five O, Steve Austin, the $6 million man. So the three Steves. Um, and it, all those Steves, in their, you might say, their celebrated roles, as they played them, Bullet for Steve McQueen, um, um, again, hi, uh, Steve McGarrett in, in Wi-Fi, who's Jack Lord, I think, played uh, Steve McGarrett, and uh, Steve Austin, I don't remember who played the $6 million man. Um, they all had this quality about the various women that were in the, the movies or the TV shows they were in, which was they never showed any desire, they were excellent, and then they left. And the girl pined her life away, remembering what could have been smitten beyond belief. So that piece of tactical advice, we're going to combine with these, these qualities of, of uh, a gentleman's behavior, the understanding of the mojo, what we're about, so that we know what we're leveraging and how we leverage it. Because in the movie, the guy had used it. The movie is actually tells this great tactical advice. The guy's using it to get laid by anybody, anywhere, anytime. And he's a dope-smoking, part-time worker, fat slob, and he gets any woman he wants. He's just been going through it, you know. Now, he learns his lesson in the movie and what a cad he is. But the truth of the advice, like a lot of tactics, they could be used. You know that, that the Nazis had some great military tactics. Napoleon was great at tactics. Just because someone is wrong and insane doesn't make the tactic wrong. So we're taking the tactic that the movie tends to reject by the end of the movie and apply it apply it to using it, uh, using it as a gentleman would use it, as a Christian would use, use it. Um, knowledge of these truths, nature of self, the nature of hierarchies, the nature of noblesse oblige, the nature of the mojo, does not make you a success with women. That is why on your, this is this, John Wilson's, on your diploma, you'll all get one, it only says, <clears throat> Ancient Order of Castiglione, that's Balbazar Castiglione, does hereby certify and grant that Gunn Wilson has heard the ways of the essential Christian gentleman in his rapt attendance 
to the lessons of the budget oracles on the goodly arts of philosophies of women, society, and the self. Doesn't say you learn to squat. Okay? Doesn't you can't put this up. It might impress somebody <coughs> on your wall, but if they don't read it closely or guess that it's not claiming too much about you. But that's why this is the least valuable part of this whole thing. Okay? <laughs> but you get it, because they always got them from the very beginning. Um, signed by the Oracle himself, Lord Chesterfield, C.S. Lewis, Count Castiglione. Um, so, sometimes people think that, and I've known some, uh, uh, that had come to the Mojo Oracles in almost desperate straits. You know, that they had bruises all over their body from being hit with a 10-foot pole. You know, that was, the, that was you know, being kept away from the women. They, and and they, they hoped that somehow merely hearing the ways of women or hearing these things or going to whatever seminar you could go to on the subject, um, sometimes my father's life between the sexes or something like that, would fix things. It doesn't fix it if you're a jerk. You know, you, you got to go back and do the work that we talked about being necessary, that, that I have got to, one, consider, is this view of the self a true view of the self? True enough that I would want to think about arranging my life as it ought to be arranged so that I would rise in my dignity and rise in my governmenting, governing qualities because I know quality girls are looking up and hoping some guy walks through the across that horizon of this high-quality guy level. I have to be that. If you are that, or to, to whatever degree you're actually marketable to an extent or another, um, you've got that whole thing we think, think first night, the distinction between is and ought. You've got isness, where you are, what you're like. You might have thought you designed a pretty charming guy, but um, you might not be and give yourself an honest appraisal. Ask a friend who's really honest with you. Because when you get down to it, honesty in advertising is absolutely essential to this. Um, too often, seduction in the world, or even honest desire to make an impression, you go out on a date with a girl, you call her up, you act a complete gentleman, you dress up, you meet her dad. Hi, Mr. So-and-so, good to meet you. Uh, my Mrs. Mrs. Cleaver, that's a lovely dress you have on. You know, you act like a complete tool, and you, you um, think you, 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 you try to peg all the meters. You're not like that. You don't want to be what you're not like. You don't want to lie to anybody. You don't want to advertise something that isn't true. One of the best places to be in a relationship is have the accessibility, the membership you have with your wife, that the, what communion you gain is not the discovery of how cheated you were. Okay? You don't want to realize this girl is really good with makeup. Because the first time you saw it washed off, you didn't recognize her. That you don't want that sort of discovery. So we'll be thinking that I've got to be the thing. That's the, the integrity of it. Remember we were talking about that with noblesse oblige? There's integrity. You have to check yourself. It says here in Romans 12:3, For by the grace given to me, I bid everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith which God has assigned him. Now, he wasn't talking about judging yourself or how quality you are for a, for a woman, but just generally. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. You've got to be ready to secure this woman 
and not to think in such a way that you think you can shoot for the moon, you know, uh, play Texas Hold'em and go all in on this one, thinking if I can just deceive her all the way up to the altar, then she'll have to stay with me. And then she'll learn to love me later on. Are you attractive is the question. Now conveying this to women is, uh, <clears throat> let's just assume you, you got there. You, you, you got your big boy pants, you're allowed to wear a sidearm, you got a driver's license, you got some money in the bank, I don't know, whatever the qualities are, you, you, you got a college degree, various things that, that, that move you along. You say, oh, I'm ready for, ready for marriage, some sort of way. How do, I, how do I get there? One of the key things that a lot of times men don't realize is women are eager to get married in many ways. They have a, they have a magazine for it, okay? It's called Brides. And Brides Magazine is this freaking thick, okay? It's a magazine as thick as a long novel. And it comes out all the time, and women buy it. And it's just pictures and ads of wedding dresses and tips about receptions. They're, they're driven from the age of four. They've been drawing pictures of themselves as princesses. At this moment, they're working towards... And their, their whole literature, can, literary canon, is romantic. Now, there are some exceptions. Remember, I'm always saying there are exceptional women that are out there that don't like guys or could do without them or will read Beowulf. But there are some, <laughs> most of them, the reason there are the romantic novels out there, and they sell by the gazillions, they're written by women for women, and they sell, and they're the same the same story, every single one. And they read them again, and they read them again, and they read them again. Now, consequently, I want to let you know that as they walk through life, they're not some sort of, you say, well, I thought they didn't like sex. Well, they don't, in the, the, the stupid ones. And, or they'll, they'll call me uninformed. Just like you weren't, un, you weren't informed about the mojo, they aren't informed about the Tao. And I'm, I'm out there trying to fix the women, too. Don't you worry. But um, they are interested in this thing called the romantic bond. They're interested in what they consider marriage to be since the age of four. So they're scoping the situation. They're watching it as much as the guy is when he walks into a room and he can just sort of immediately scan the room and know what he's dealing with. The light can be really dim, but he's going he's gonna to have it figured out. Now, we're not always accurate, because I, I can remember this awful moment. Right, driving down 6th Street to the mall, and I looked up ahead and I said, oh my gosh, there was a bicycle and some thighs going up and down the bicycle, spandex, driving, Christian pastor of here, get up there, oh my gosh, it's a guy. You know, uh, you, know was, you, you, you think you can scan things out and go, I feel this attraction, this desire, but sometimes you're really wrong. Or you're in a bar, the lighting's dim, you've had two beers, you're talking to this girl, and then for some reason all the lights come up, you look at her and she's 45 and, and uh, really repellent. Um, we don't, we're not always accurate. We, we're, we're in the business of, of checking that out. They are too, gentlemen. They're not going to be doing it quite as I mean, directly as we, but they're doing it. One of the key things is you've got to consider your reputation among the men. Because that gossip, women are more gossipy than men are. They want to know. My mother, 
God rest her soul, godly woman, used to go to the bathroom at church and sit in one of the stalls after church to hear what the girls were saying about her sons. Now, she would never tell us what they said. For years, she kept a secret from me that the hottest girl in church liked me, never told me. Until we left town. We moved away, moved out west, um, thousands of miles away. And I said, okay, mother, you told me that someone liked me in that church. Can you tell me now? And she said, no, you might go back. <laughs> and I said, okay, I'm going back for graduation of my friend. And so I went back and grad watched graduation. Came back out to Idaho. I said, probably not going back, mother. She told me, I was like, no! <laughs> Rending my garments. And she was... You know, she, she was, but she was a mess spiritually, a mess. She was just great looking. And my mother was wise about telling me. She could tell from my reaction. But women are like that. They, 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 they're a herd animal, and they, they like to build these fanciful things. They're building their own wedding in their mind without even a guy in mind. They, they, they're, they, want, they giggle about this all the time. So your reputation outside the lists of battle it's crucial. What, other, what do other men think of you? Because when a man has finally figured out his self, the extent of his will, where he is going to be placed, he's being placed in regard to society and what noble characteristics he has. We're recommending a certain nobility. Well, a noble guy in the rest of his life is going to have a great reputation among the billionaires. The married men, especially the married men, gentlemen, because they have wives. And their, their wives will go, oh, what do you think of so-and-so? I said, well, he's a pretty good guy. Pretty soon, that information is out to the single girls. Okay? <laughs> Got to be conscious of this. It's crucial. I don't want anybody wanting to spend some time with me after this. Just have it be natural. Hang out here more often. I'll tell him. Tell him. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> Without a broader life, you have no. You'll have no reputation. The interesting thing about male novels, novels written by men for men, for men you know, um, and that sell by the gazillions. Back when men read. Um, you have Louis L'Amour. You had Alistair MacLean. You had Tom Clancy. Yeah, Michael Crichton, or whatever, the, the, those sorts of uh, uh, murder things, or adventure, or thrillers. Um, there's a, always a romantic subplot. The women's novels are, well, the, great, the, first, the greatest women's novel ever, Pride and Prejudice, first line. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a man in possession of a large fortune must be in want of a wife. That's the first line. And then the rest of the story is how it happens, and it's denouement at the end. And nothing happens. No one's murdered, and nothing is stolen. There's no crisis really to speak of. Nothing, no adventure. It's just the love. Because the women read it to get the love done. Men read their novels. They want the romance there, but they got something else going on. They got to kill the communists, or they got to protect the water rights, or do something. You know, shoot big explosions at series of things. You know, and they just want the girl clinging to their leg. That's all. You know, it's, it's one, one, one lucky gal. You know, standing by them through it all, and then finally, um, 
That's how. It, but 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 our different ways of looking at it are um, are measurable. Um, 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 are measurable um, to the. Uh, is there just sort of a noise going on in there? Huh. Um, <coughs> Are being measured constantly, and so your um, uh, realization that you should have the broader life—if you can't get your mind off her and she is the only thing you think about—you're probably still in high school. Okay, you're probably still in high school, and you haven't realized that a man has things he's got to do. He's got governing. He's got to take care of. He's got a nobility to practice. Now, the next thing, besides your reputation, your reluctance. Now, reluctance is part of the Tao of Steve. Um, it is bracketed by reluctance. And this is the idea of reluctance. I, I said in a short story I wrote once called the romantic, the romantic distance is the shortest distance between two points. Because the guy who's a romantic thinks that if he shows the most desperate and complete and devastated effect he, she has had on him, and he immediately rushes to wherever she is so he could be there, and, and, and as soon as it is possible, as soon as he has a private conversation with her, he declares his great and undying love. He's the short movie, the shortest distance between two points. The mojo has that kind of effect. But the wise man with it, the wise man who says, okay, if I back up in the mojo and I step back into the sum of all desire and I realize that I need to arrange things so that peace will be the outcome, so that I will meet my desires, um, maybe I shouldn't take that most direct frontal, frontal charge. It is... High school guys, young guys, do this by either pining away for her, can't think about anything, but uh, try to always be around her, hope they get invited to the same parties. Or they are more like the Chets of the world um, who brag. They announce their quality. I have, maybe I've shared this to some of you before, but back in the early days of the, uh, the house, we had a bunch of girls, very attractive, uh, and they were all thrilled to be reading Pride and Prejudice together. And they were going through this very publicly. They were all reading it, and they were all talking about it, and they were all despising Lord Darcy at the same time, uh, Mr. Darcy at the same time. And, and then all of a sudden, their hearts turned on a dime, and they were all just almost fainting on the, on the stairs about <laughs> Mr. Darcy. Why can't there be men like Mr. Darcy? Well, there's a group of them, a gaggle of women on the stairs, giggling about something, probably not that. And there was a guy in the house who... Uh, had some limits, we'll just say. He had some limits. And the girls were not liking him, and he had persistently fallen in love with every girl in the house and had announced it at one dinner that he had been in love with every girl in the house. Again, the shortest distance between two points wasn't working for him. But I was walking up the stairs, worming my way through this bunch of women sitting on the stairs, and he was coming down, and he stopped me right in the middle of the group of girls and he said, Ellen, I just realized something. I said, what's that? Just odd to be stopped in that situation. He said, I, I've just discovered I'm just like Mr. Darcy. 
Well, he was nothing like Mr. Darcy. Every girl in the house knew he was nothing like Mr. Darcy, but he thought, well, obviously I am, and, and I just need to let them know. They haven't noticed it yet, so I need to tell them. <laughs> this, uh, I should be a reluctance, gentlemen. Now you say, hold it. If proximity plus attraction equals attachment, how is proximus stuff arrived at? How is the information about your excellences going to be communicated? That's where we go back one to the reputation. And the quality of reluctance actually produces, produces the attention because the proximity is the meditation on the attractive quality. It allows time to see. But you can do that without your geographical presence. Geography. Once you plant an idea, the excellences, if powerful enough and tactically used, produce in the woman's mind, because her idea of rapprochement is to misunderstand things and have it resolved. To, to, to not like Mr. Darcy and then love Mr. Darcy, okay? And it, it, it comes from, uh, you might say, uh, uh, this evident dislike. You, if you read Pride and Prejudice, you'll see Mr. Darcy seems to dislike the whole Bennett family. <coughs> and she doesn't like being disliked. He was in a state of denying desire. <coughs> the reluctance offers two things. In the, it's a, it's ba essentially, it's the, the rain on or the denial of your desire. You are deciding, I know what the mojo is, I know why she's hot, I know why I am drawn to her, but I know I have a, a, a grasp on that, so I'm in command of myself, and I also have other things to do. And so you put yourself in a situation where you're not immediately acting as if your desire found voice. As soon as a guy will like a girl, he wants to go tell her. I keep telling them, do not tell her. Do not show that you're interested. Now, you say, but my friend did it and he got married. Okay. I know it can happen the wrong way. I also know that there's some unpleasant marriages. I also know that there are men who, my brother once said to, uh, to me regarding marriage counseling, he said the worst problem you see in marriage counseling and the most prevalent is nice guy husbands. You know, it's husbands that got walked over by the situation. And they were, they were the one that caved first, they were the most emotional, they were the most invested, they were the most in love. So things don't turn out the way you want. If you want a marriage, this is assuming you can get married some other way. You can go hat in hand and talk to some father and ask permission to see his daughter and do the whole courtship bit, and he can say yes, and then she can say, okay, and you can walk the aisle and you can have babies. Um, it'll happen, you're probably. You're gonna get married one way or another, more than likely. I am only advising you how to do it well and do it to peace so that your life is one joy after another. You can obey, enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the vain days of your life. You got something to hang that on. You got some way of achieving it. The, uh, the other, the benefit positively of reluctance is it puts the woman in the romantic spot. If there's an attraction, let's just assume for the sake of the record there's a positive situation, You've got some qualities. 
but you've denied desire. Now, you haven't denied your presence. We're not talking about, you remember in high school, maybe you were one of these, junior high, it's more like junior high. I've had enough parties here for my kids going through those years that I've watched it happen any number of times. There's usually this, um, there are two kinds of wrong-headed desiring <coughs> women. One is the misogynist, uh, loud, abrasive guys just being guys, you know, and, and so they inflict their guyness on everybody, and it doesn't show that they're interested in girls at all. They're just loud, abrupt, difficult, um, trying to, the, the phrase, men behaving badly, applies to them. And then there's the Lord Byron sulkers who end up in my library sitting <laughs> by themselves, believing that if I just sit here long enough, she'll notice. You know, away from the crowd. It's somehow the prettiest girl in the room with everybody standing around her talking to her. And some of you look up and go, oh, that little twerp's gone. Um, but no, but that's what they think. We're not recommending that kind of reluctance. We're talking about the reluctance that's in amongst it. It's the reluctance of responding to her effect. Women, those magazines that aren't brides' magazines, all the rest of them are filled with advice on how to get a man, how to keep a man, how to keep him happy, how to put your makeup on, how to do your hair, what clothes to wear, all so that they can be attractive to, guess what, you. And the guy that's in the midst of it, being a gentleman, and I recommend being a gallant gentleman, being a real positive and informed gentleman in the situation, and chatting with her, but also chatting with her maiden aunt with the same degree of interest, and chatting with the, you know, the, the, the little kid in the corner with the same degree of interest, because you're a gentleman, for heaven's sake, and you, and you make yourself, your presence felt, but you don't make your desire evident. The reluctance is toward your desire. Because as soon as an excellent man is in the room, just like you're looking for that eye contact that shows access, they're looking at the average guy's response to them being in a, a, an overly apparent desire to preen and strut and be the man and, and brag and dominate the conversation, not to, and as I recommend, and I wrote it here on the page so you'll remember it, I always recommend you leave the conversation before the girl thinks it's over. As simple as that. You need a rule of thumb? Don't do it ham-handedly. Don't turn in the middle of a sentence. <laughs> no. Done. Look at my watch. Done. <laughs> yes, Kyle. Yeah. Would you say that this works on only sane women? I mean, well, you don't want to women. Well, um, it works on all women. I think, think so. Oh yeah, I think it works on all women. Because um, I can see some women just being completely turned off by it, and just wanting the attention. Um, I can, they do want no, because you've been nice to them. You've been gallant to them. You haven't done anything wrong. You've been friendly. You've chatted with them. You've asked them about stuff, what their hobbies are, whatever thing else. And, and you were friendly. You were engaged. But in your eyes, they didn't see desire. And they, they're working for desire. I mean, they're devoted. Christian girls, immoral girls, it doesn't matter what, they're working because they know their path to security is whether they can snag a guy. They're, all their commitments are to this, to be Mrs. Somebody, 
and have someone pay the bills because they're at jeopardy. This is the large picture. Now, um, so I, I, I want to have you think in terms of <clears throat> being the best possible company but inadequate in duration. Because if you leave at the right moment, you're still proximus there after you leave. And your attraction, your attack, uh, attractive qualities are still on their mind. They've heard about you through, your, through the gossip. You were nice to them. You engaged, you're gallant. Hey, can get you, get you a drink? Walk back, bring a drink. Hey, I gotta go talk to some friends, but uh, we'll catch up later. Uh, boom, gone. Now, it's, it's remarkable. Now, you don't want to use that on your wife, guys. It's, you are now married, married guys, you gotta stand by your wife. I'm leaving, honey. <laughs> I know you weren't, finished, you weren't finished talking to me, so I'm finished talking to you. <laughs> Which, if you can pull that line off, yeah, I know you weren't finished talking to me, but I'm finished talking to you. If you can pull that off, she's going to be ticked. I'd love you. Um, the, uh, the, 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 the upside of it is say, well, this is, this is manipulation, Ms. Wilson, and this is not good. Um, the benefit to this, if you're a gentleman, you're not just doing this, you might say, aggressively at every girl you meet, because you know it's effective and you like having girls like you. Even if you're not sleeping around, it's kind of rude to you know, dangle a girl emotionally. I'm assuming that you're in pursuit, you know who you're interested in, and you are making some moves to achieve that, but you're making them subtly. Um, the benefit is, if you're not as hot as you think you are, your e early absence, the being gone, and she doesn't respond, and doesn't mind, and can't remember your name, you've just solved yourself some getting handed your walking papers direct on the phone if you call her up, hey, want to go out? No. Uh, you, you don't want to find out later through a direct attempt that you didn't have an effect. This allows her to not be, you might say, burdened with you. I mean, it's the gentlemanly way either way. It's powerful if you are effective, and it's kind if you're not. It's honorable. Now, with... Uh, as I've, I've, I've often said, and you've been in conversations with me, I know I wrote a short story about it, and some of you may have heard, that uh, <clears throat> this idea, one of the problems I have with uh, courtship in, in the main and, and dating less so, but some, is that it makes, you should be setting something up in how you gain the girl. How you gain the girl, this honesty, this integrity of who you are, um, this idea, I am gaining a citizen, I'm looking for a first citizen, a, a, a prime minister for my kingdom, that's what I'm looking for, and I'm going to function in the situation with right government and with the representation of my capabilities and wanting to put across something someone would want to belong to my fiefdom. But if if I go hat in hand to the father of the girl, which a lot of people think was well, really nice to do, but think of the psychology here. 
you're doing it before you even know the girl because you saw her at church and you kind of liked her. So you go to see her dad and she doesn't know you from Adam and so she and her dad talk about it. I don't know, Father, it's kind of weird. And you've had no chance to make an effect and you've already chopped your legs out from under you. Now, I don't mind you asking a father for permission to ask a girl out. Knock yourself out, but only after you've driven her to distraction. Only after you've applied the Tao of Steve. Only after, in the broad social moment, because you don't have to take her out to apply this. Matter of fact, taking her out is sort of after the fact. Taking her out is after you've won, you take her out. Where your final attention, so down here at the bottom of the first page, um, if he has true qualities, uh, his reluctance to pursue will emotionally prepare the female to rejoice when he does begin to approach. Remember, she desires this sense of, I don't know, I'm misunderstanding, he does like me. And, and they're always in the state of, of reverence to you when you finally, when you finally do approach. It is um, on that line that the, the, um, the reluctance keeps you in the sort of the driver's seat of available desires. Men are so ready to rush the door if, well, you probably can imagine this, you could probably imagine the scene where a girl knows that, oh, I usually just sort of open my eyes at the guy, I look at him long and hard, maybe look away a little bit, still looking at him, look away a little bit, still looking at him, then smile. And of course he comes trotting over, like an ox to the slaughter. The best thing a guy can do, catch that glance, acknowledge that it's happening, turn away and talk to his friend. Best thing that can happen. And even you, dense little twerps like yourselves, can know that that scene in a movie would be, the girl would go, what, what just happened? <laughs> I'm powerful. Look at these effects. You know? And she won't be able to stop thinking about that guy all night. Because he just turned away. Now, that keeps you, if you follow that up, if you're using it on the person that you've already decided, and I recommend that you use espionage, you find out about people, don't, and not on Facebook, you find, out about, uh, you find out about people long before you any chance of you um, considering them. You know, you should know everything about their background, and you can get a lot of it in these social moments there you, where you leave the conversation way too early. But you make those times count, you find out what they're like, you find out what their temper is like, you watch them, how they function in the social moment. Do they go in and help the hostess at the party do things? Are they servants' hearts? Are, they, are there topics of conversation about the things of God? Are they about uh, interesting things that you like? Does she seem like she's dim? I mean, you know, finding out that she's really hot and stupid is pretty easy. Within minutes you could know that, right? You might say she's, well, she's great externals, but uh, dumb as a brick. Um, when you can't get your mind off her, that whole high school notion, um, if she is everything to your every thought, just consider that information that you are unworthy. Because she doesn't need someone for whom she is his every thought. Now, some people like that. Women who, who, who love because they're adored, 
That's one kind of response. It's conceit is what it is. It's not really love. It's self-love. He adores me. He thinks I'm the most beautiful girl in the world. Now, my wife will tell me. My wife's an attractive woman. And somebody says, well, how attractive is your wife? I say 7'5". Seven, 7'5", five. Seven, five, good lighting, 8. You know, um, she's 54, and if you were compared to other 54-year-olds, uh, probably maybe an 8'5". I don't think my wife is the most beautiful woman in the world. Nor do I tell my wife she's the most beautiful woman in the world. Now, I've got, I actually know what's going on in the world. I've seen Angelina Jolie. Okay, I've seen her on TV. Okay, well, she's an awful woman, no doubt. But, or pick somebody else. Charlize Theron. Okay, is that okay? Charlize Theron? Much better. <laughs> it's the weirdness, probably, in Angelina Jolie. Um, you don't want to think that because you care an awful lot, and some guys do, they think if I demonstrate how much I care, the stalker level of you know flowers and attentiveness and all the rest, that, and, and because some women will respond to adoration, because they love themselves too, um, men think that works. So they just keep keeping on the adoration. Now, reverse that. Say you're going through your life, you're being reasonably cool, and some girl with a wide and swimming eye just thinks you're the greatest. And I, I mean, I had this, this Mexican girl get smitten with me in California. I didn't speak any English. I'd never talked to her. She would leave Valentine's on my pillow in my bedroom. How she got into my bedroom, I don't know. It was, it was, it was, yeah, it was a little creepy. Her name was Mercedes, which was pretty cool. Yeah. But, but um, um, you just say, okay, I don't want to feel any reason, obligation to marry that girl merely because she cares a lot. I know I'm actually arranging a life. Don't think because you care a lot that you proved anything other than you're a twerp. Okay, you're too young for this. You got a life, and the whole point of making yourself worthy of great women is to not be smitten to that degree. Now, <clears throat> when you deal, when you step into some of these things, are, are like I said, are negatives and positives at the same time. Um, I am not giving you. Um, you know, I imagine you thinking about this whole thing about. The, the, the practical task of how do I convey security. Um, I'm not giving you, well, you know, always wear a leather jacket or, you know, or, or dress like a businessman. Those sorts of pieces of advice, give, give yourself. Work that out in terms of who you're dealing with. Some of these things are positive that would, uh, um, you'll see positives in the negatives that we deal with temptation regarding it. Because as single guys, three of you are married, the rest of you are single, and does anybody have what you'd call a bona fide girlfriend who's single? No girlfriends, okay. Then we'll talk about temptation. <laughs> um, it says in uh, James, we are tempted when we're lured and enticed by our own desire. So recognizing on two fronts, this is the desire that even if we know it, it can tempt us. If we don't know it, if we, and we don't know that the overarching, the over-desire, is peace. You know, if I have the mojo and peace combined, 
I want to arrange my life adequately to achieve it. I also know that I can think it was pleasure and not peace. And the mojo just hits me amidships and I go, I go after you know, creating this high inventory of pleasure in my life or I chase the wrong sort of person. But I'm easily drawn across the line that God would set for me. I am tempted when I'm lured and enticed by my desires. Something is dangled out in front of me that I want to have. If you know what that is, you will be greatly helped. If you don't know what it is, you won't know how to fight the battle against it. Proverbs 9, stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Now that's in the first nine chapters of Proverbs. The whole thing is about watching out for bad women. Okay? And this is out of that. And we know that, that sometimes there's an enticement to not just, not just the desire for pleasure but the desire for self, the desire to serve the commands of self. Because you don't, there is a satisfaction in doing exactly what you want and not having to be beholden to God, not having to be beholden to somebody else, mom and dad. Whatever the case, you're, you've got some desires that, that your whole effort to becoming a more adequate self um, are still there to be misused by temptation to sin. Um, the basic, the basic sins is to reach further into the realm that the mojo is supposed to reward us in, which is the rapprochement in the metaphor of sex. Okay, to reapproach, expressed in your sexuality, and lived out in commitment regarding that uh, for the rest of your days. That's what it's supposed to lead to. But that whole negotiation between the desires, we sometimes get ahead of ourselves and we offer, she offers us more access than we had security to give because she thought she'd pay up front, hoping that if she just had sex with you, you would marry her. And how many stories is that told? And some guys do and live an awful life and some guys don't live an awful life, but whatever the case, it's awful. Um, <coughs> We have to pay the price God has set. We have to arrange on all levels here. Not just arrange what we're doing, but arrange our defenses um, uh, against these uh, uh, temptations. Now, 1 Corinthians 7, Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is well for a man not to touch a woman, but because of the temptation to immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. Because of the temptation to immorality, what, what Paul says is because sex is so dang hot, why don't we just go have some sex? That's basically what he said. The only difference between the two things, because of the temptation of immorality, sex. Let's be married, sex. What's the difference? The same thing, the same desire physically is being met. The difference is what's the arrangement? What's it, right, right. The, the one arrangement has commitment, it, it follows God's will, uh, it seeks peace, it understands who it's in submission to. It's not, that, it's not like the, the Gnostics or the, the early monks who went, yeah, sex, they're all doing that, aren't they? That's so worldly, that's so bad, that's so earthly, so material. I think good Christians should turn away from all that and give away, give up 
good food, hot women, and what else? Firearms. Tobacco. <laughs> and tobacco. Um, because most people think that resistance to temptation is setting up barriers against the temptation, which between you and the sex, basically. God's answer is, hmm, let's do an end run around this temptation by going to get married. Because of the temptation, have a wife. Even when you're having no sex in a marriage for a time, it says for fasting or prayer, it says don't stay apart for very long, because even then you can be tempted. So God's answer to temptation sexually is to have it correctly. Not to set up rules against it, but set up your policy of how you're going to get it. That's the big distinction. Your, your moral victory is not in rejecting sex, but rejecting a path to it that is invalid. When it says here on the side, Colossians 2, that it's still belonging to the world when it says, do not taste, do not handle, do not touch, referring to things which all perish as they're used according to human precepts and doctrines. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting rigor of devotion and self-abasement and severity to the body, but they are of no value in checking the indulgence of the flesh. That's the apostle. I'd go with him. Um, We want we 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 know that our minds get a little bit. The Bible doesn't have rules against holding hands, nor about kissing, nor about hugging, lying down, kissing. <laughs> with most of my clothes on, I mean it doesn't ever mention any of those things, does it? I had a girl sit out here to tell me in the yard. The Bible doesn't say anything about fornication, does it? I mean she she actually didn't think it said anything about fornication. Okay, you say, well, I know that, I know that, but not about any of the stuff leading up to it. A lot of our folly, a lot of our stupidity has gotten there because we didn't begin with arrange, arranging ourselves in an honorable way, arranging ourselves to be uh, a certain kind of ethical, noble uh, character. And so we finally, or you get into a Baptist church, and, oh yeah, no fornication, but we know, you know, dancing the jitterbug leads to sex, so we're going to ban dancing the jitterbug. Okay? Your kids are still doing the jitterbug, right? <laughs> Tyler has <laughs> Tyler's still doing the jitterbug. Um, and so they'll ban dating in short skirts, thinking, and all, and you'll see in an average legalistic Baptist church just as many kids getting knocked up and and sexual problems as anywhere else. We just know, because we know what the mojo is, we know no matter how much they cover up, then I'll just get a shot of an ankle. <clears throat> and, I'll, and I'll think I've been looking down her cleavage. Um, we have to go back to the beginning and say I have to be faithful to all of it. And when a woman opens up to you, she's either going to open up to you with the mojo and your honor negotiating a correct deal, or she's just giving it away. If you're giving it away, she's a slut. The other one's your wife. You don't want this, this whole underpinning series of thoughts creates a, a circumstance where you offer the right thing. She gets what she wants. You're a, the kind of guy she wants. 
and she's the kind of woman you want, and you strike the deal that is driven towards this, not some cleaned up St. Augustine, you know, let's not do anything nasty here, but hey, let's find, if you can call it this, the Christian nasty, okay? This is sex. This is us being put back together, expressed in a pretty nitty-gritty way, but that's what God wanted. And we're the right kind of people for that. Now, the woman who does all those sorts of actions with the guy she just met at the bar, it was, again, just a skank. If, uh, if you don't, this goes back to that whole thing at the beginning, um, this is called being humane. I said that the person that orders their life, is what was the phrase I used? It was, it was life-changing. Um, we are humane to the degree we govern ourselves. Whatever degree that is. You go back to the beginning and say, I, I, I'm kind of in government. Well, you're kind of humane. You might even be human. We know that we have different levels of humanity. To the degree we don't apply this, we're just making ourselves or proving ourselves to be inferior human beings. Don't expect to marry anybody who's not inferior with you or someone you lied to who's going to resent you later on for having lied to them. <clears throat> it says uh, in Thessalonians, choose for yourself a wife as befits godliness, not in the passion of lust like the heathen who do not know God. This whole idea of arrangement, this whole idea of um, um, is the difference between Alexander the Great conquering the world and Vikings pillaging the world. Vikings did a lot. They upset all of Europe during the four or five hundreds up to maybe nine hundred. Vikings made it hard to live for anybody, but the Vikings didn't rule much. They just went in, raped the women, took the stuff, killed the guys, said see you next year. That was a Viking mentality. It did not provide any peace at all. The Viking Age was really difficult for, uh, for Europe. It up, uh, overthrew all the old kingdoms. Um, I'm really interested by it historically, but I don't recommend it in the dating world. Um, I recommend Alexander, a planned, uh, devoted conquest of the world. You're you know, conquering this girl, and you say, I'm going to do this Un, not driven by the passion of this world. Now, by the passion of the uh, of, of worldly lust. Um, say, well, doesn't that really sound like we oughtn't be thinking about this? Evan and you and your Christian nasty. Um, well, I want to give this portion out of the weight of glory here on page 27. This is right on the first section out of the book, uh, out of the uh, essay. If you ask 20 good men today what they thought about the highest of virtues, 19 of them would reply, unselfishness. But if you asked almost any of the great Christians of old, he would have replied, love. You see what has happened? A negative term has been substituted for a positive, and this is of more than philological importance. The negative ideal of unselfishness carries with it the suggestion of not primarily secu of securing good things for others, but of going without them ourselves, as if our abstinence and not their happiness was the important point. I do not think this is the Christian virtue of love. The New Testament has a lot to say about self-denial, but not about self-denial as an end in itself. 
we are told to deny ourselves and to take up our crosses in order that we might follow Christ. And nearly every description of what we shall ultimately find if we do so contains an appeal to desire. If there lurks in most modern minds the notion that to desire our own good and earnestly to hope for the enjoyment of it is a bad thing, I submit that this notion has crept in from Kant and the Stoics and is no part of the Christian faith. Indeed, if we consider the unblushing, unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're, I'm trying to have you sense that all the desires that maybe hit you in puberty, that because you were thinking in inventory terms, because you just wanted to be loved, in fact, some girl touch you, and and you were driven to all the wrong conclusions about how you were going to make the arrangement. You made it as an inferior human being. But as you matured as a human and as a Christian, you learned that I've got ways to arrange this that is more, gives it more credit, not by saying that whole world was wrong, but they got to it in the wrong way. They didn't negotiate it with, the, you might say, the Spirit of God on them and wisdom on them. But we're moved to this good thing Move to the, to the good thing and a far greater thing that the life married to a Christian woman is going to be. And it's the right thing to desire. I sometimes tell people that, you know, the only reason to get married is sex. I mean, it's, with what it is about a for. Because St. Paul says so. If, it's, if you don't burn, don't get married. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're getting married because you got that desire. Because everything else you do in married life, you can have that kind of friendship and fun with your guy friends. And, and probably be better off and, and make more money. <laughs> so, uh, it's really, sex is costing you guys. Okay? But, but let's be honest, let's be realists. This is what God made. And the unblushing promises of Christian marriage are not so that we uh, just avoid... Uh, uh, you know, God gave us wives, and they're supposed to be stumpy women, you know, with long, long denim skirts and <coughs> stoop shoulders. You don't notice their hooters, and and uh, with hair in a bun, and uh, and they never ever seem like you're going to have sex unless you're going to have a child, whatever. And somehow that's to keep me from sin. <laughs> uh, it's not that sort of uh, not that sort of thing. I want you to read this next thing also from the Weight of Glory, um, where the right reward in, in, uh, um, in our uh, uh, pursuit of sex and marriage or the relationship that is based in sex. We must not be troubled by unbelievers when they say that this promise of reward makes the Christian life a mercenary affair. There are different kinds of reward. There is a reward which has no natural connection with the things you do to earn it, and is quite foreign to the desires that ought to accompany those things. Money is not the natural reward for love. That's why we call a man mercenary who marries a woman for the sake of her money. But marriage is the proper reward for a real lover, and he is not mercenary for desiring it. A general who fights well in order to get a peerage is a mercenary. A general who fights for victory is not. Victory being the proper reward of the battle as marriage is the proper reward of love. The proper reward are not simply tacked on to the activity for which they are given, but they are the activity itself in consummation. This is the right reward for the activity of seeking a wife, consume, uh, reaching its consummation. 
And so I, 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 I have these thoughts um, uh, sort of stacking up. I've got to cover all sorts of bases in this. I'd like you, if you can take the time to go back over some of this. And say, what, okay, what's the marching orders for me? Obviously, I want to get married. Obviously, each one has his own desire. And we're not fighting the desire by becoming monks. We're fighting the desire by laying the plans of how we're going to be the best catch for the greatest woman <coughs> that you can lay your eyes on. Um, with uh, Freud's mentality, was like a, it's a pressure cooker and, and if, uh, your sexual desire and you just have the release of your wife, you, you won't feel the need to you know, be unfaithful or, or sleep around. And, and men realize that, you know, the more sex I have, the more sex I want. It's not, it's not a pressure cooker, physiologically or, or psychologically. Um, uh, if we don't, if you think all you have to do is if, to get off the temptation train regarding how you are a single, is to get a wife and have regular bouts of nuptial bliss, um, you're still not doing it right. You may have got a wife, you may be having sex, but because you're not thinking in terms of what it is to arrange a life of peace, and to find this, the thing that you're practicing, you and your wife are practicing rapprochement. You're trying to find your way to become one again with regular practice. Because it tells you in Corinthians, I won't read through this, but you're supposed to give each other your conjugal rights. Not to separate, even for your but unless it's for fasting and prayer, and only for a little bit. Frankly, no Christians who are far removed from that. They've sort of given up on it. Um, I know that you've got married guys like myself, and you've got three married guys here. They can say, well, uh, easy for you to say. We've got to go take cold showers. We've got to take our minds off girls. We've got to go play football a lot. Um, uh, the idea of waiting, if you go back to the arrangement versus inventory, you're saying, of course, I sometimes have to take the painful path to get to the thing that I want. Just like I had to work eight hours a day at a trashy job to earn enough money to have the car I needed to get a better job. To the, I needed to be able to invest myself in my life by, by arranging it rather than seeking, seeking the direct and immediate response to the uh, pleasures of the flesh. The tempting agents know perfectly well that the loud voice in your ear is, is not wanting you to make arrangements with peace on the mind or a negotiated settlement between a woman and you regarding security and access. Um, they just know, like the woman in Proverbs, come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. The, the, the adventurous is saying, you can't imagine how much pleasure. I think ACDC probably has songs about this. She shook me all night long. That's what this is about. She is promising to be that for you. And that starts to scramble your mind and drag you away from the life of wisdom. That would uh, uh, build a different kind of life. Now, You have, to get here, to get to this point, you want to not be saying, I'm not depending on my current wife or my future wife. Okay? 
I gotta steal myself because dear God, I'm gonna have a future wife. You know, someday I'm gonna have one. Uh, or the guys that are married, you know, steal myself because I have a wife. Because guys are unfaithful to their wives all the time. They meet the bombshell at the, over the Xerox machine at work, and they don't want, you know, the, 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 the whisper in the ear is what I could do to you, big boy. And he's only waiting to get home at the end of an eight hour day. You know, your single guys are going, I don't know how many more years I'm going to have to wait. We're still tempted wait, having to wait the next four hours because we're men. <laughs> and, and so it's not a matter of whether or not the current sex and the future sex is enough to set it aside. It helps, no doubt, but it, <coughs> it's the, whether or not I am addicted to the big piece. Am I addicted to, back in lesson one, being a self that is truly of some dignity, truly of some honor, truly of some nobility, truly humane, and I value it so much that I'm willing to set aside. I'm able to say, like Christ before the cross, not my will, but thine be done, because I know the joy that is set before me. But it's not a matter of the future joy, because you can't even guarantee that you will get married. What if you died before you got married? You'd never have sex. But we have, in the now, this big piece, which wisdom arranging the governance of yourself will bring it to pass. Now that's what Proverbs does here. In the contest between the adventurous, if you go back and read the first nine chapters of Proverbs, it's a wonderful back and forth because the adventurous, she calls out to men. She promises them all sorts of things. They promise to have um, all kinds of, uh, my husband's out of town, I got, uh, I got all the right perfumes, I made a really good bed, we could do this all night long, and she's enticing the guy. The opposite side of the coin is not the, you know, the wife he dated from the Baptist church and married and and, and she's trying to say, but honey, come and have boring sex with me. Um, uh, exciting sex with the adventurous, boring sex with the wife, I don't know. And it's not, the, it's not what he's, he's, he's recommending. He recommends, does not wisdom call, does not understanding raise her voice. And this is exactly what the adventurous does. The two women that are contrasted are the adventurous and Sophia, wisdom. On the heights beside the way, in the paths she takes her stand, beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal she cries out, To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the sons of men. O simple ones, learn prudence, so foolish men, pay attention. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right, for my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous, there is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire, got that, cannot compare to her. Now, basically, this last section, I'm saying meet, date, love, and marry Sophia first. Your basic task in all of this is not to there are handy things about dealing with temptation, but the wise life underpinning it. Um, um, you're going to have a harem. The hottest chick you could possibly want will be happy to marry you if the first woman in your harem is Sophia. If, if she knows that, as, as Balkis says, happy are your wives, Solomon, because of who you are. 
You get the love poem of the Song of Solomon in the scriptures. That girl, whoever she was, was probably the 61st wife okay, of Solomon. Great love poem. Thrilled to death to get married to the king. And the 60 queens welcome her. Ah, I don't know what you think about that, but whatever the case, she was happy to be there with Solomon because of who Solomon was. If we do right, we get what wrong promised. Um, it is the way that we have to go about it. Otherwise, we're going to, and, and you'll see this in young men, and maybe even in yourself, that you'll admit to the truth of this security because we try to, in either comic book levels, poor caricatures, or even mature, sophisticated actions or pretenses, to act like secure men. And why are we acting like secure men? Why do we wear tweed jackets and button-down collars and tortoiseshell glasses? Because I want to look smart, right? I want to look smart. I want my wife to look up to me and go, oh, he's so smart, look at him. Because, and that's why I put it on all the way, it looks smart. <laughs> I don't want to look fit. <laughs> we, we will take the shortcut. In the shortcut, we admit the truth we just lack the integrity to have it really be true. If you want what the wrong promises, you got to do it right. It says here of uh, wisdom here in Proverbs 8, just the last two lines, I was daily his delight. Wisdom is speaking in the first person here as this woman, and she claims that she was the first thing created long before Eve. She is the thing that by which God made everything. Eve answers something in us. Sophia answers everything. Okay? Um, there is uh, in these temptations we know that the, uh, the loudness of them, you know, I think sexual temptation, sex is used for so many things, whether or not there's actually a temptation to immorality in it. You put the woman in the sleepy dress on the billboard next to the car or the bottle of whiskey and it sells whiskey. Um, that's just something you can walk by unless you're 14. Uh, we just don't want our actions and our plans, our intentions, what we actually do with ourselves, because we know that the one sin against the body is sexual immorality, says in Corinthians. We don't want to go there. We don't want to make the members of Christ the members of a prostitute, it says in Corinthians. And it doesn't matter if she's not actually selling it for money. She might be giving it away for free, but that's even worse. At least the woman with selling herself for money is making some, you know... Capitalism. Capitalism, yeah. At least there's that. Not just, not just a fool and not just wicked. You know, she's wicked and a capitalist. Um, but it's bad juju. I mean, it's, 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 it might be mojo, but it's bad juju. Um, it says here in Proverbs 5, For the lips of a loose woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not take heed to the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. And that's precisely it. They're not going to warn you, because an awful lot of them, if they're charging you for money, they're hoping the money 
is their security. They don't think that you're going to stick around and secure them. They just think your hundred bucks is going to secure them. But the girl who is sleeping with you because she has daddy issues or because her boyfriend dumped her or because she wants to prove to herself she's pretty or she's cool or she wants you to like her, all sorts of things, they don't know what they're doing. We're throwing around these powerful amulets of desire without recognizing what we're doing. Um, and Proverbs 5 recommends um, further in the chapter, drink water from your own cistern. Speaking about your wife. Flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely hind, a graceful doe, let her affection fill you at all times with delight. Be infatuated always with her love. Why should you be infatuated, my son, with a loose woman in the embrace of an adventuress? Huh, why? Well, why is the question. That's what we're trying to answer, not just, that's the negative question. Why would I be caught into pornography, or why would I be caught into uh, illicit affairs, or promiscuity, or whatever else? Why would I, why would I do that? Well, hopefully this uh, five nights attempts to at least begin to open an answer to why that's the case, why we, and why we're confused and following, um, or finding some thread out of the maze, out into the light again. We know that we can do it by raw confession. We know that we can repent and we can confess, and God can wonderfully forgive you if you don't understand why you did it. But if on the near side you don't want to do it again, and you want to be uh, understanding what is happening to you. That's what makes uh, takes the fear out of a haunted house. Turn all the lights on. You know everything in there works. You got all the windows open in the middle of the day. It's not a haunted house anymore. There's no fear. Um, when you know what gastric juices are going on in your stomach, when you know what's going on, you understand hunger. You understand what your desire is that you're working on. The phrase, is that all there is? I have this quote from Lewis. It wasn't using quite in this way, but it was about this. But he said, the surest means of disarming an anger or a lust was to turn your attention from the girl or the insult and start examining the passion itself. The surest way of spoiling a pleasure was to start examining your satisfaction. Now that's both positive and negative. That's where you could spoil good pleasure. When somebody starts lecturing in your ear in the middle of a symphony, do you realize what he did with that the mathematics of you know punch him, you know, I just wanted to hear it. You know, you know why her face is so beautiful? Look at the Euclidean section there. That <laughs> Shut up. But also, it's true, when, I, when I'm confused by the presence of girls and I don't know how to fight the temptations until I get married, the two benefits of understanding the mojo and the sum of desire and hierarchy and noblesse oblige and all those things is so that you will know where to go with your thoughts. Oh, is that what it is? Is that what she's doing? You know, I, I, it's, a, it's a joke with my wife and me now about you, you run into some girl with the, you know, the, the rather ample, you know, doing the bend over attraction. Oh, hi. You know, you, or, or touching women that are really touchy. I go to my wife, so and so is really touchy. <laughs> and because she knows, not that, oh my gosh, I'm about to run off with that woman, but we both know this truth. That that's what's going on is her. This woman, whether she thinks she's doing it or not, she's got these signals, these habits. I'm going to draw men to myself. I'm going to show access to myself. And once you start realizing what it is, you have a real strong 
you might say, power to practice it for your game, for the girl you want, and to hold off the adventurous and um, and the woman who would uh, destroy you. Well, that is essentially the end. It is two, three minutes after nine. Uh, I had a little bit of space there, so I put a poem in there. I wrote about it. Uh, I don't know when. But it goes like this. Let me read it to you. It's about life. In life, no tension loudly calls the man more than that unremitting missing part, where heart and mind does collapsing vacuum find. Imploding, fertile forces can grasp at sundry slipping straws until they find the softening factual act of womankind. The cage, absent an ancient barrier bar where Lady Eve escaped, allows a space where she can, wanted, wheedle, wiggle in, and prison be by passion once again. Now, so that is one again. One again. <laughs> Excuse me. Good call.